2 Corinthians 11, 1 through 15. I wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Do bear with me, for I feel a divine jealousy for you since I betrothed you to one husband to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the servant deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. For if someone comes and proclaims another Jesus than the one we proclaimed, or if you receive a different spirit from the one you received, or if you accept a different gospel from the one you accepted, you put up with it readily enough. Indeed, I consider that I am not in the least inferior to these super apostles. Even if I am unskilled in speaking, I am not so in knowledge. Indeed, in every way we have made this plain to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted? Because I preached God's gospel to you free of charge. I robbed other churches by accepting support from them in order to serve you. And when I was with you and was in need, I did not burden anyone. For the brothers who came from Macedonia supplied my need. So I refrained and will refrain from burdening you in any way. As the truth of Christ is in me, this boasting of mine will not be silenced in the regions of Achaia. And why? Because I do not love you. God knows I do. And what I am doing, I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission, they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, a strong way to start a chapter of the Bible. I (laughs) wish you would bear with me in a little foolishness. Right. So Paul is, you know, this is not necessarily the typical like Ephesians 2 type uh, <laughs> like passage. Right. But, you know, we're, we're talking about ministry. We're talking about church politics a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, some shady vibes going around the Corinthian <laughs> church. And, you know, Paul, he, he's talking about boasting. He's talking about money. Um, and, you know, money and friends is like the the weirdest intersection of emotions (laughs) right right and so um you know like i've always thought like if you want to ruin a friendship you should either live with that person or like get y'all's money intertwined in like a business or something i I feel like there's some stories behind that that we should talk (laughs) (laughs) love my roommates but uh but you know and sometimes it goes well but a lot of times it doesn't and so but we got money going on and like Mm -hmm. support uh, and the Macedonians are back in the picture. Macedonia is just getting a lot of love right. in this book. And yeah. so shout out Macedonia. But McClish, <laughs> what's going on? Why Why is Paul asking them to bear with some foolishness? Right. Great question. Um, <laughs> no, Paul, it's interesting because we know that Paul does not like boasting. And yet in this next few uh, passages, we're going to see a lot of quote unquote, boasting from Paul. And so there's definitely a method to his madness here. And I think he he's just letting them know that he's kind of saying, um, like, bear with me as I play the fool so I can expose the foolishness of my opponents. Mm -hmm. So he's almost like playing their own game here. Yeah, yeah. Um, But uh, we know that he says, you know, let one who boasts boast in the Lord. So there's a reason for this boasting. 
And it's basically to set up this, um, his divine, I'll say jealousy for these people. Mm. It can be, you can read it as a little bit like, why is Paul so like, you know, right? Yeah. <laughs> Good word. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, he's very worked up and he's very upset, but it's not for his own, you know, like jealousy that's like, you're jealous mm-hmm. for your own reputation or you just want to like, you want people for yourself or like, again, there's definitely yeah. selfish motives. No, this is um, a divine jealousy that he is selfish, um, desirous of the hearts of these people to be protected and to be, mm-hmm. um, to stay following Christ, um, to not be lost to the schemes of the devil. So he's definitely setting up the foolishness here is the um, false apostles and how they're going about um, influencing people and he's just reminding them of who he is, how he has their best interests at heart. And then he's going to lay some real truth on them here um, mm-hmm. in these verses. Yeah, absolutely. So we got, you know, there's, there's these false apostles mm-hmm. who've come in and, you know, it, it kind of is an interesting, which this has actually been something like, I'm no expert on this at all. And it's been something I've wanted to say more, but mm-hmm. there's some really interesting like doctrines that, infiltrated the early church and yeah. like the sort of stuff that Paul's talking about, like, you know, very much undermining like Jesus himself and, uh, just stuff that I think there's a weird, um, and this is like a little bit of a side note, but there's a weird overemphasis we can sometimes put on the early church as like the early church was this Mecca of like mm-hmm. love and hospitality and just like, they had you it know, all worked out perfectly. Yeah, yeah. We've like, gotten further, further away. We take these it. verses yeah. from Acts where it's like they had all things in common and it's like, America sucks. Like, you know, I wish I was in the early church. Mm-hmm. But then like the epistles actually reveal like it only took a couple of years for like churches or maybe even a couple of months um, for churches to start getting super weird and murky. And that's mm-hmm. what's happened in Corinth. And so, you know, Paul, he's really turning here towards... Um, if you think about the Corinthian letter, like a lot of the people have repented of and are seeking this like reconciliation with Paul, Mm -hmm. but um, you know, that's not necessarily like a unanimous thing. And so Paul is kind of trying to settle the account with the Corinthian church that he planted. Yeah. No, I think it's very um, instructive to us too, in that he's, he's doing that, but he's also giving us such good, I don't know, warnings, like, Basically, he's saying, understand that Satan's main tool is deception. I love that he takes us right back to the garden. Come on. Um, Because I think sometimes we can think of like, you know, um, demonic opposition as being something that we would easily recognize as demonic. And yet Paul, yes, there could be that. But mostly it is this deception that um, looks like the angel of light. It looks like it's, yeah, yeah, it's very interesting. Like, and especially when you're talking about things that infiltrate the church, like it often uses religious language. It uses Mm. familiar concepts to us. And yet it's just twisted just enough Mm. to, to lead us astray. And I was thinking when I was reading this, I was thinking of, um, this book that I read called uh, Counterfeit Gospels. Yeah. Have you, uh, I think it's, is it Trevin Wax? I've not read it. I've, now I can't remember. Anyway. I think it is. So, true. I know. Now we say that and be like, did I say Gospels, the wrong one? But anyway, it's a great it book. It is Trevin Wax. Okay, good. Um, and because often with these counterfeit, you think, oh, I would for sure recognize a counterfeit gospel. Yeah. And yet, um, Paul kind of gives us a template. It's like, it's another Jesus. It's a different spirit. It's mm. a... Um, a different gospel. I mean, there are things about it that are slightly off. 
And it made me think of like one of the things that we, I think, struggle with in our in the church today is what um, we call the therapeutic gospel, where you think of sin as mainly your um, that it is something that's happened that's keeping you from your full potential. That sin is actually more about me and my um, what it means to me that I fall short as opposed to outright rebellion yeah. against God. It's more shame focused than guilt focused. Right. It's um, like, and so then the remedy is something that will make me uh, feel better. The church is to make mm-hmm. us happy. Like yeah. we're all going to get better. And of course, these are things that do flow out of obedience. I mean, people yeah. do reap what they sow and there is like yeah. good stuff that comes out of following Christ. But that actually can re- lead you down a very um, false path into a false totally. place. Um, why? Because it's a different gospel. It's mm. not um, viewing sin and God in the way that we ought to view. So anyway, there's a whole host of these things. And obviously these yeah. people were being led astray. Yeah. It, it's a really thought provoking thing to say that, you know, Satan's greatest weapon is deception. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, he like to your point back to the very beginning, like that is the essence of Genesis three is deception. Right. And, um, you know, we, we tend like our, our instinct is to think that the greatest weapon of the church or the greatest enemy of the church is more of this blunt force thing, like persecution, uh, you know, losing religious liberty, Uh um, you know, losing our tax benefits, (laughs) like whatever, like there's any number of things like wokeness, whatever. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, this is so, so convicting and, and it's really challenging. Like I actually wanted to spend time thinking about this is um, what are ways that I'm being deceived? Yes. Um, because it's not necessarily, you know, and I think the Israelites are a great example uh, in the Old Testament. They weren't like forsaking the idea of Yahweh for the idea of Baal. Right. But they were, they were basically cheapening the idea of Yahweh to be a, a Yahweh that was tolerant of Baal. Yes. And so And they were hiding their idols in their tent. Yeah. The whole so, way. Exactly. Yeah. So they replaced like the true God with an idea of God that allowed for all this other stuff. Yes. And so and I think that's what we do with Christ. And and yeah. whether we do that in like a more liberal way or a conservative way or like a, you know, fiscal, like money driven way or right. like a sexual way or like whatever. You know, we can cheapen it to a different gospel, a different Jesus um, who, you know, we kind of have his temple over there mm-hmm. and then, you know, this temple over there and all is well and good, except that you are totally missing out on the life right. that is in Jesus. Right. You're totally like missing out on the benefit of walking in light. Um, and, you know, you are missing the kingdom of God. Right. And, and so, yeah. And, and that's why Paul's jet like. He doesn't hate these people. No. He has supreme love. And and that's what he says in verse 11. And why? Because I do not love you? God knows, <laughs> knows I, I do. do. Like It's like, that's it's not like I hate so you. Like, I'm, you. Yeah, I'm trying to get like this good thing into your thick skull. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to follow the real Jesus and mm-hmm. believe the real gospel and um, be influenced by the real spirit. And but the way I love that prayer, that question, and then of course the way to test is to go to his word. Um, you know, if you wonder if you're following the wrong Jesus, which you'd say, I I hate it when people say Jesus wouldn't 
you know, Jesus wouldn't do that. Jesus would say we could yeah. do whatever um, he wants us to love the way I want to love and do the things I want to do. Like as yeah. if he's just some like, you know, affirming that, that love yeah, equals yeah. affirmation. And then it's like, but you don't have to get too far in the gospels to be like, man, Jesus said really hard, like crazy yeah. um, things to people and calling, rebuking them and calling them. So it's like, where are you getting this Jesus? You need to be in the word where you can actually see um, the real Jesus. Yeah. Jesus, you know, he, he's always um, too pacifistic for, you know, the up in arms and aggressive. Yes, yeah. He's too, too aggressive, aggressive for the pacifist. <laughs> he, you know, yeah. he's, he's too tolerant for the overly pious. He's too right. pious for the lawless. Like it's, um, it, but it is this like clear metric of, you know, if, if Jesus is calling me out of my instinctual patterns and that that's probably a good sign that the Holy spirit is involved versus right. if this is confirming everything, if the Jesus I have confirms Firms all my on. thoughts and feelings, yes. um, then I'm probably turning to a cheapened Jesus that yes. I'm making. Yes. So, huh. Such good stuff. Come on. Good stuff. Um, straight from the Bible. And, um, my amazing co-host Jennifer McClish is Will Carlisle. We'll see you tomorrow on our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for Our Daily Rhythm.